Hi, this is Carla Allen, host of School Counseling Opportunities and Professional Engagement, also known as SCOPE. I am a professional school counselor, currently a coordinator of counseling services for my school division, and adjunct professor for counselor education at a local university, Virginia Commonwealth. Go Rams! We will be discussing topics relevant to current trends in school counseling and ideas on how to provide support to one another. For questions, comments, or discussion topics, email me at vscaprofdevelopment at gmail.com. Again, that's vscaprofdevelopment at gmail.com. Welcome to Scope. School counselor opportunity and professional engagement scope. From the third floor. Good afternoon. I'm with Liz Parker this afternoon, the president of Virginia School Counselor Association. Welcome to the third floor, Liz Parker. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you for my initial podcast. And of course, I wanted to have you as my first person I interviewed since we have worked together um, as colleagues and with the Virginia School Counseling Association. And um, you have so much to offer. So I wanted to invite you to be my first interviewee. And I'm so excited to have you here today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I am um, really looking forward to this and excited to get to talk to you a little bit. Well, great. Let's talk a little bit, Liz, about um, your educational journey and how you came to be a school counselor. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I myself didn't really have a strong school counseling professional throughout my academic career um, to assist me in trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So when I was growing up, really all I knew was you go to high school, you go to college. So I was very blessed in the sense that, um, you know, that was instilled upon me at a very young age. You go Mm -hmm. to high school, you go to college, but no thought was really ever given to what happens next. And so even as I was in college, still wasn't thinking about what happens when school comes to an end and I have to enter the workforce. Exactly. That happens to so many of us, I think. So many of us. And so I went to school, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, got into communications, really enjoyed it, Um, graduated, realized I had to get a job, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So ended up doing public relations for an advertising agency. and Wow, I had no idea you did that. Yeah, I did. Um, I worked for two different advertising agencies in Virginia Beach, stuck with it for about six years. Um, It was really fun. I got to do a lot of traveling. Um, It was hard work. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just knew it wasn't really congruent with my passion and what I love to do. I've always loved working with mental health. I've always loved um, working with children, but I knew that I was never interested in teaching per se. Mm -hmm. So I never really even understood that school counseling was an option um, when I was pursuing my undergrad. Wow. Yeah. So went back, did some kind of assessment of myself and some self-discovery and really started thinking about what I wanted to do to make an intentional decision about my next step in my career. And so that is when I decided to go back. I got my master's at VCU in Mm -hmm. counselor education Mm -hmm. and just knew right away once I started the program that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. 
um, just loved the work, would spend hours and hours and hours and look up and say, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for nine mm-hmm. hours and I haven't even, uh, you know, I, I didn't even realize that time was passing by so quickly. So just knew that that was what I wanted to do. Right. And, then, and that's when you know it's your passion and your calling is when you look uh, forward to going to work every day and all of a sudden nine hours have passed. And that's when you know you've really hit the jackpot. Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of my experience. Just kind of wandered, not really having a clear direction, and then decided that, you know what, I need to figure out what, how I can best contribute and okay. why I'm here and what I need to do. So that's, that's exciting. how I came to be a school counselor. Well, tell us how um, your first um, school counseling job and you know what setting you were in and a little bit about how that went for you after you finished your graduate program. What did that, what did that look like for you as um, you began your counseling career? Yeah, so my first job, um, I was actually a board substitute at a middle school level, but my first actual full-time position was at an elementary school, and I had a caseload of about 715 students to oh, myself. Oh, my word. <laughs> and it Talk about was, a trial by fire. <laughs> it really was, but oh my gosh, I learned so much throughout that whole experience. It was hard. I think your first year as a school counselor, no matter where you are, mm-hmm. is tough. It, it is. is. It is really hard learning work. curve. It is hard, hard work, um, especially when you don't come from an education background. There's a really steep learning curve just in the jargon and the terminology people are using and the different assessments. And it, it was a challenge. It really was. But, um, but I loved it. I loved the kids. I get a lot of energy from being with students. Mm-hmm. And so I worked really hard. The one thing I always knew is I always wanted to do what's best for kids. That's always been one of my thoughts is, you know, not what's easiest for adults, but what's best for kids. Always. And that really helped me stay focused and stay grounded throughout that first year and then every year after that. So that really helps with the decision making when that's kind of your driving force. Good. And we know we talk about that hard first year, but once you get through it and you've done everything one time, it feels like you can, you know, finally get it together and figure out what that looks like. And I will say for you, that obviously happened because this is not something I don't think I've ever heard you talk about, even though we've known each other a long time, but I do know that you were um, a finalist for the American School Counseling Association School Counselor of the Year a few years ago, and actually you were in the top four. So (laughs) talk to us a little bit about what that was all about and um, how you got to that place. Yeah, I will. I I will tell you, it was such a humbling experience um, just to be recognized for the work that you do. You know, in our profession, we don't get that a whole lot. Uh, when students come to see us or folks come to see us, it's typically because there's an issue or a challenge. Right. So it, it was really a humbling experience. And to be honest, that all started really with Virginia School Counseling Association. So in order to be eligible for the Ask a School Counselor of the Year, you have to apply for the Virginia School Counselor of the Year. So that's kind of where it started. Someone said, hey, I want to nominate you. And I thought, okay, that's that's really flattering. Um, And I filled out the paperwork and turned it in and then moved on. And I will tell you, my main goal for the Ask a School Counselor of the Year was just to finish the application because that itself is daunting and a little overwhelming. But um, finished that and sent it in. And then Jill Cook called and I was shocked, Mm -hmm. shocked and really excited and then very nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, Wasn't quite sure what the process was. Hadn't really done a ton of research at that point about what the next steps were. So realized that I got to go in and I interviewed in front of a huge panel of people asking me all sorts of great questions and just got to talk about what I love. Um, 
I myself, I'm really, I love data. I love being able to support what we do with numbers and facts and showing how we make an impact on students. So I was able to do that. Um, and talk about my kids and, and talk about how much progress they had made as a result of the things and the things we were working on together. Yeah. So, And you are so passionate about your job and your career, and I'm sure that's shown through in your interview, which um, skyrocketed you up to the top four. And I, if I remember correctly, I think this is the first year we uh, partnered with Reach Hire, and you actually got to go to the White House and meet Michelle Obama. So tell us about that experience. I did. You know, that was really, um, it was a very surreal, surreal experience. It was amazing to be a part of that. It was amazing to get to go to the White House and be in that room. And there's so much historical significance there. And just to think about all the other people that had been in that room or those rooms before you. Um, and then just get to meet with and talk to and hear from Michelle Obama. It was, it was really energizing and it, it just really made things worth it. And to have someone of her caliber talk about and focus on school counseling, I thought was just such a surreal experience. Mm -hmm. And I felt very, very fortunate to be a part of that. Um, And it really brought a lot of different opportunities for me. It was a lot. It let me challenge myself in new ways. It allowed me, I got to do a congressional briefing and a lot of different media interviews. And it really gave me a platform um, that helped me to be able to continue advocating for us and our role and what we do. And exactly that's really right. one of my passions. Exactly. So. And I just remember uh, watching that ceremony um, live in my office and feeling so affirmed as a counselor that Michelle Obama was talking about us and she called us school counselors and she thanked us for our work. And then seeing you in the background and um, another counselor that I knew up on that stage with her, it was a proud moment for all of us to see you all up there representing the state of Virginia. It was amazing. And it really just fueled my passion even more because I felt like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. You know, people are starting to listen. They're starting to pay attention. They're starting to understand how much of an impact we can have on kids. And so it was very, very exciting. And then, like I said, it really fueled my passion to continue to take this profession and take school counseling and, and continue with advocacy efforts, maybe at different levels that I didn't think I could I could reach before. So it gave me a national platform. So then right. it allowed me to connect with people at the state level, at the federal level that I hadn't had the opportunity to connect with before. Yeah. Um, and so it was it was very exciting um, and very it was scary and terrifying to represent our state and to be there and represent our profession. But um, but it, like I said, it was humbling and, and really exciting. Right. right. And then um, when you get back home, I believe I, I met you. I knew who you were, but I met, met you thereafter when you went into a new job position as a district supervisor, which is a job that I also hold, and when we started working closely together. So uh, tell us about your journey from being a school counselor and then you know jumping into a district supervisor role. <laughs> so it's really funny. I was actually on my way home from the ASCA conference um, that summer after, and I had, when I got off the plane, I had a mixed a missed text message from a former principal of mine who had then gone on to work for this different school division. And so I checked it out and it was like, hey, there's a new leadership position open in my division. You want to check it out? I think you'd be great for it. So I did check it out and it was my current position that was open for Williamsburg, James City County. Um, 
And so I jumped right in. I thought, you know, this is exactly what I love to do. I love working with other counselors. I love building capacity for comprehensive school counseling programs. I love advocating. I love data. Like, this is a really great position. Um, but was a little hesitant to apply simply because I really only worked at the elementary and, and middle school level, never at the high school level. And um, I find that typically in this role, folks typically come from high school down. So that was a slightly intimidating, but um, yeah, so I applied and I got the position and, you know, it was exciting and I was a little nervous, but it was a huge learning curve. Um, mm-hmm. But I love it. I love it. And we're, I'm still learning every single day. There'll be a new challenge, a new situation that we hadn't heard of before, um, something new coming down from the state that we have to try to figure out how to implement. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a great position. Um, you know, you definitely miss the kids. So I try to get into schools and work with counselors as much as possible because, like I said, I get a lot of my energy from students themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always always a transition that you have to make when you go from working in the building to working at central office. Right. But it's still, still staying with my motto that we do what's best for kids and, um, you know, continue to work with school counselors every day, which I love. Right. And I I also love the collaboration that uh, we district supervisors in our region have uh, started in the past few years that we all try to work together to do what's best for kids. Um, So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you have done in your school division that have helped you to advocate for the role of the school counselor um, and also to work on some things that are best for kids. Yeah, so I, um, when I first got here, it was really more of a fact-finding mission for me. I was trying to figure out, like I said, it was a new division. So I was trying to figure out what the current role of school counselors were, what the skill level was, um, what the perception of school counseling was in this division. So I could sort of kind of gather all my information and then try to make a, a plan for change if needed. Um And so, you know, there were some things going on. The division I'm currently in, it's a really traditional division. um, And there was a lot of room and a lot of opportunity for growth in school counseling here. And so I kind of saw that right away. Um, One of the first things that I worked on here in this division was our elementary school counselors were still in that master schedule rotation and treated more like a resource teacher. And so I was able to collect some data on that, talk about um, the percentage of their time being spent strictly in the classroom and was able to work with leadership here um, throughout that first year to pull them out so that they had the opportunity to provide a counseling program for all of their students. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're in that master schedule rotation, all you're doing is that classroom guidance component. There's little time left to do small groups, individual counseling, any prevention work outside of the classroom. Um, And so that was really one of my first initial goals in coming here after seeing that and hearing from the counselors as to how much they wanted to be doing but weren't able to accomplish Mm -hmm. because of that. So I had a lot of support from senior leadership here in the division. Um, It was definitely a big change for our principals. They had to figure out who else would take that place. And so it was it was a big change, but I recently polled our elementary school principals here a couple years later, and um, they were over the moon with the performance of their school counselors now that they had a much better understanding mm-hmm. of what they could provide. And that is and amazing to hear. It really, really is. It is. All of them said they would never go back to putting them back in because they would lose so much services and our students would lose so much services. So mm-hmm. just things like that, really kind of always assessing 
how I see my role as removing barriers for counselors so that they can counsel and do their job. Exactly. And so a lot of what it's I that do trickle is, down effect. Yeah. Because you're still working for the kid in the long run. Always. Yeah. Constantly assess what we're doing, assess what they're doing, and then figure out how I can take things away so that they can work harder in the areas in which it makes the most sense for them to help kids. Mm -hmm. And I have been able to observe um, the work that you're doing and um, also to present with you on the same topic. And it's just really cool to see the work that we can all do when we uh, all work together, which I think takes us to our our next um, section of conversation, which is talking about VSCA. And as most of our listeners probably have heard, uh, that the makeup of the VSCA board has changed. What I don't know if they realize is why it happened and how it all came about. So let's talk a little bit about that, about how the decision came about to change the makeup of the board um, and and why that was done. Yeah, so that started a couple years before me with Paul Harris, who was our president that brought this kind of governing structure called policy governance um, to everybody's attention. So at the time, our board at VSCA had really grown. So it was this enormous board of 36 plus people. Um, And you know, when you all get together, it's really hard to move the needle in any direction. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of people trying to do the same things. There's also a lot of overhead in that in in paying for everyone to attend meetings and travel here. Um, And so we really took some time to assess one, what's in the best interest of our membership Um, How can we utilize membership funds and fees and dues appropriately and so that members will get more back from what they're putting in? Um, And so we really, it took a couple years to to go towards this policy governance model. Um, There's a social aspect of, as you know, being on any committee, being on any board, it's that when we get together and there's that social aspect that was challenging for some people to let go of. But At the end of the day, we moved from a much, much larger board to a small board of nine directors. Um, And then from the directors, we have committee chairs and then their committees. And so as a director, we really talk more about the ends. What's the overall vision of the SCA? And then we really give the freedom to committee chairs to be able to do what they feel like makes the most sense to achieve those ends mm-hmm. um, and then work with their committees to do that. So it's we've actually seen a lot of positive um, results just within this first year. So this is really our first year of that implementation. Good. And, and so just within the first year, we've seen a lot of really great results. We've been able to make quick decisions. We've been able to respond. So, for example, when delegates are coming down and there's a letter or there's a news story coming out or there's something about school counseling, we're able to say, mm, that's not exactly right. We really want our voice to be heard and we're able to act on it immediately instead of having to wait till the next board meeting mm-hmm. um, and then get a consensus of 30 plus people. So it's allowed us to get ahead of a lot of narratives that have come out about school counseling in a way that we just weren't able to do before. So, you know, I think it's really assisted us in our advocacy and our lobbying and in the way that we're being perceived um, from folks in the General Assembly and lawmakers in general. Right. So what is the mission and vision of VSCA? So with our new structure, we kind of, we get more away from the mission and vision and we work more really specifically with ENDS policies. So our ENDS policies... um, are what we we focus on as a board. And really our ends policies are just 
to assist school counselors. So we exist as an organization so that school counselors can practice with the highest level of effectiveness. So that's our overall policy. Mm -hmm. Um, We focus on school counselors, but we also focus on school counselor educators and different stakeholders, key stakeholders. So we really want to make sure that school counselors have that common and consistent professional identity. They are able to use evidence-based practices. They utilize ethical standards and that they advocate. Um, They get professional development activities like you know, Carla, because you're our committee chair for Mm -hmm. PD. And that they know and practice culturally responsive counseling. So that's kind of the mission, if you will, the ends policy for our school counselors. And then for counselor educators, we want them to be knowledgeable about best practices. We also want that academic rigor, and we also want them to be able to advocate for the profession as well and provide experiences to students so that when they get into the field, um, you know, they're competent and are able to provide a comprehensive program. And then we also talk about key stakeholders. So there's school administrators, the leaders, policymakers, and make sure that they can understand and support the impacts that counselors make um, with students and Mm -hmm. what the impact of school counseling programs, those student-centered data-informed programs have on students. So we're really focused on the counselors themselves, we're focused on counselor educators, and we're focused on stakeholders. And everything we do, every professional development we have, every membership drive, every speaker we bring in, everything kind of always goes back to a piece of that ENDS policy. And I'm really excited about the direction of the new board and all that you're able to do. So I want to talk a little bit about the professional development that you just mentioned. And some of the things I'm going to tell you, I'm telling our listeners um, and you, because I don't know that you are aware of all that we're doing, um, because you... This new board does give us all autonomy to do what we think is best within our committee as long as we're meeting ends policies, which you mentioned. So our professional professional development team has met together uh, several times, and we are trying to plan activities for all stakeholders. One of our initiatives is this podcast because we talked about how do we get information out to counselors all across the state of Virginia that would be the least expensive thing for them to do but still get opportunities to learn and grow. So an obvious way to do that is with a podcast. So here we are uh, recording our first one after a couple of months yes. of talking about it. I'm so excited about this. Um, our goal is to start with one a month and um, then hopefully move to two and then three and then four a month. Um, once we get these up and running, I'm excited to provide those opportunities um, and have information from the stakeholders about what information they would like on the podcast. Another thing we're also doing, uh, we're providing professional development for district supervisors, for our counselor educators. We're doing the spring fling in March, on March the 5th, um, here in Richmond. And then one thing we're adding back in I'm so excited about is the School Counselor Summit, and we're moving that to Southwest Virginia, and that will be in Roanoke this summer. So those counselors who are on the other end of the state who can't get here to Richmond um, or in the central part, we're coming to them. So we're taking Counselor PD on the road this summer and very yes. excited to offer that. And those dates will be coming out here in the next few weeks so everyone can save the dates for those kinds of activities. That, I'll tell you, that I know that we've had conversations, you and I, as well as the board um, and just colleagues have had conversations about how can we best reach school counselors, all school counselors. So Mm -hmm. not every school counselor has a district supervisor. Not every school counselor has representation at the central office level. And how can we best prepare and reach those school counselors and help advocate for those school counselors themselves? So I think this podcast, and I think you've had some brilliant ideas 
um, to help us extend our reach so that we really are helping all school counselors, not mm-hmm. just those in more of the populated areas. So, yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely been a focus this year. Right. And my and my heart lies with those school counselors who don't have support or Absolutely. even maybe their person at central office has never been a school counselor and don't mm-hmm. they don't really understand the role. So giving them a voice to um, get more information, how to share out things. So that's will be the intent and goal of the podcast. Um, to give ideas and support of how to do best practice within your own um, caseload and your own building, but also how to advocate for yourself to be able to do the job that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So on that note, we also have Legislative Day coming up here in January. So tell us the date of that, um, how school school counselors can get involved, and why it's important for us to show up on that day. Yeah, so before we talk a little bit about Legislative Day, I want to I back up a little bit, and I'm going to be hopefully sending out an email soon so that all of our membership is aware. Um, even between now and Legislative Day, it is a really, really important time for school counselors. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be sending out a call to action. And so we want to be contacting all of our legislators, and we want to be strongly encouraging them to support or create a bill Um for school counselors that's focused on school counseling. So our two big talking points this year, the two things we're pushing for is the change to the standard of quality. So we want one full-time school counselor per 250 students. I mean, that's a push that a lot of delegates are supportive of. Um, It's a big ticket item. There's a price tag attached Mm -hmm. to that, but that's absolutely one of our two main pushes this legislative session. The other piece has really picked up some traction, and that is looking at revising those standards of accreditation mm-hmm. and changing them to reflect school counselors providing a minimum of 80% of time devoted to the direct counseling of students. So delivery of direct counseling services to students and really defining what that is per the ASCA model. So those two bullets are critically important and we need right now, we need lawmakers in the Senate and in the House to be proposing bills and then supporting bills of, that represent both of those bullets. Right. And so I'm going to send out a really specific call to action, and we need every school counselor to take a few minutes to contact either email or telephone their legislator because we need to get those bills in the hopper. Right. And, and, then and now is the time when um, so many of them recognizing that um, – our students have so many mental health concerns, and there's so much conversation around that right now. So now it's the hot time for us to get in there and say, you know what? We are also mental health professionals, and we are school counselors, and we know how to work in a school setting. Um, uh, you know, they look at bringing in other positions, and not that that's a bad thing, but we can do the job if you let us have our 80% of time, and you give us a smaller caseload. So Yes, and I have to tell you, I think um, lawmakers from both sides uh, – from both sides are really supportive of it. So I feel like between now and legislative day, legislative day is January 9th, but January 9th is really the deadline for a lawmaker to put in a bill. And so between now and then is the important time that we have to be communicating to our legislators and encouraging them to either post a bill or to support a bill that is one to two fifty or 80% of school counselor time spent counseling students. So this is kind of the critical piece. Then when we get to legislative day, that's when we can walk around, talk to our legislators and encourage them 
to support any existing bill or legislation for us. So again, this is a really critical time. So I'm going to send that call to action out and hopefully everyone will um, jump on that. Mm-hmm. And then Legislative Day itself is a really fun event. I think it can be intimidating sometimes for mm-hmm. school counselors. Um, but I want everyone to know, so Legislative Day is January 9th. And everyone will arrive um, around 8.30. We're going to have about an hour when we really work together as a group to kind of craft our message. So we're going to go over our talking points. We're going to decide what's your elevator speech. What, you know, what is your two-second spiel that you can give to your legislator that encompasses all of our talking points and what we really want to happen. And so we're going to talk about that. We have a whole hour. We're going to meet. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it. We're going to prep and prepare so everyone feels confident. Um, And then we are hosting some legislators in a little reception. And then we're going to go out and meet directly with our legislators. VSCA will make appointments for you. So I'm going to be sending out a link once you register for Legislative Day. We'll go ahead and make those appointments for you. And better yet, we're going to make them in groups. So That's that what I was going to say. If you're yeah. nervous about coming, um, the first year I went, I thought, how am I going to go talk to somebody? Um, what, I was so relieved when I got there that I was with a group of counselors, and it wasn't just me going there, in there. It was all of us right. together, which um, makes you feel a lot better. But I will say I got to meet um, senators. I got to meet our governor. I got to meet the mayor of Richmond. Um, just walking around. Everyone's just walking around that day. So you get on the elevator and, oh, my word, I'm on here with the former governor on the elevator. So it's a day also to get to meet and greet our um, our lawmakers. And that you don't, you barely, rarely get that kind of opportunity. So it's a wonderful day. Um, and I don't want anyone to feel nervous that they can't do that because you're not on your no, own there. I agree. And you have lots of support. I'm happy. I'm going to be there. I'm happy to go with you. Um, but we have enough people that are in the same type of an area that have the same legislators that we absolutely go in groups. And then this year also we are showing up in full force. So VSCA is actually giving free shirts to everyone who registers before December 15th so that when we arrive on Legislative Day, we will all be wearing the same shirts. Mm-hmm. They're these school counselor shirts that say 1 to 250 on the back. Oh, I love those shirts. And love yes, it. we are going to be taking the Pocahontas building by storm this year so that everyone knows who we are and they understand the massive amount of support behind these two. Oh, that is so exciting. These two asks. So it's going to be a really exciting day. I want everyone to come out. And even if, even if you're not comfortable going and talking to your personal legislator, that's okay. Come out anyways. There is such power in numbers, and mm-hmm. that's true for membership as well as lobbying and legislative day. So come out, show your force, show your numbers. That's how we can actually enact change. Yeah, exciting stuff. So Liz, talk to us a little bit more about the VSCA board, and I know there are a lot of – there's the board of nine, and then you have committees. Uh, what are some of the current needs for VSCA? Do you still need volunteers in particular areas, and why should a counselor volunteer? With all yeah. the time they already have to invest in their job, <laughs> why would they want to volunteer for VSCA? I know. It's um – I know. And I'll tell you, it's, we know our profession is a profession of passion regardless. I mean, it takes a lot of passion to be a school counselor and to stay a school counselor and to continue working all year long with all the challenges that come our way. And so really it's just taking that passion and also utilizing it to help the profession as a whole. So we are looking for currently, um, we are currently looking for a technology, a committee chair for technology, someone who is, it's really funny. We have so many phenomenal school counselors throughout the state who are great with social media. They're great with technology. And so that's what we're looking for. Someone who, because I am not, 
I'm not great with social media. I'm not great with technology. And so I need someone who is really way better at those things than I am um, to come out and to be on our committee and act as a committee chair. So Mm -hmm. that's one of our main roles right now. Um, is technology chair, someone who is interested and excited about changing our website. I know everybody who's ever been on the VSCA website um, is is thinking about how we could absolutely use some improvements on that website. And I agree. We all agree. So we just need someone that might be interested in leading that charge, finding a new website, and thinking of other ways that we could use technology to help school counselors. Okay. So if someone out there is listening and wants to um, get involved and volunteer, who should they contact to do that? Yeah, so they can contact me. Um, they can contact VSCA chairman at gmail.com, and I will absolutely set them up with the right committee chair and right director to oh, help walk them that's through great. the process. I hope someone out there hears that and thinks, hmm, that would be a perfect fit for me. So hopefully we'll find somebody who can fill that role on the board. So there are two questions I'm going to ask everyone that um, we talked to on the podcast um, to close up our conversation today. So the first one is about self-care, which we all know in taking care of everyone else, um, sometimes we just do not take care of ourselves. So Liz, talk to us about um, some self-care that you practice and um, how that helps you to get through in your everyday life. Yeah, so this is an area in which I'm sure I could approve upon because (laughs) I am one of those people, like most of school counselors I have found, that just continues to take things on and take things on um, because you know they need to get done and you really want um, them to be done well. So self-care is an area in which I absolutely need to improve on. But I'll tell you, I have really been working hard this year. So I have two little ones, a five-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. Mm -hmm. And I have been working really hard this year to make sure that when I am with them, I am with them. So we talk about mindfulness all the time, but it is a challenge when you're in the morning and you got to get out that door and your daughter wants to tell you a story and you know, but just realizing that I'm here, they're here, I'm going to stop what I'm going to do, I'm going to look at them, and I'm going to spend this time with them. My daughter and I have been doing girl talk at night. She'll, you know, we'll take 15 minutes when she should really already be asleep. Right. And just have that time to talk about her day, and we call it girl talk, and same with my son. So um, just making sure right now that I'm having that meaningful time and being present with my kids. Right, because you don't really, get that back. You just don't. You don't get that back, and things are going so quickly. So I know it's a little thing, but it's been a little thing that's had a big impact lately. Right. And that's a big it's, thing. That's what they'll remember, um, and that's what you're going to remember as they get older, that you took that time every night to do that, no matter what else you had going on in your day. So yeah. thank you for sharing that with us yeah. and being mindful and intentional about spending that time in the evenings. Um, the second question I'm going to ask um, everyone that I interview is, what are you reading right now and why? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so I'll tell you, too, because I'm concurrently reading two different books right now um, when I have time. So the first one is I'm reading. I love Simon Sinek. So I'm reading um, Leaders Eat Last. It is a fantastic book. Um And so I would highly recommend that. It really has a different spin on leadership and talks a lot about trust and trusting the people that work with you um, and giving away some of your power and and really trusting people. And so I've loved that book. I'm about halfway through. And then I'm also, also just started reading 
Um, I'm a big true crime fan. I don't right. know if you knew that about me, Carla. I'm well, a big weirdly, true crime fan. Uh, when I interviewed we, all of our school counselors, we had our big meeting at the beginning of the year, and we all shared our favorite podcast or binge watch. And I would say about 80% of us were all true crime fans, which I don't know if that says something about our profession, <laughs> or now you're telling me that too. So tell, tell me what you're reading. <laughs> and I will tell you, I stumbled in, so I live in Williamsburg, and so I stumbled in the William & Mary bookstore to grab a hot chocolate the other day, and lo and behold, there was a book signing, and I peeked around the corner, and Lieutenant Joe Kenda from The Homicide Hunter on Whoa. the ID channel no way. was doing a book signing. So I clearly immediately bought a book and stood in line, had him sign it, took my picture. I was over the moon excited. And um, I started reading his book. So that is the second book that I'm kind of going back and forth reading right now. And mm-hmm. it is good. It is really good. So true crime's my guilty pleasure. Right. I was going to say, it. I think it's a lot of our guilty pleasure. <laughs> so maybe we can do a little uh, survey out there and see how many of us really like this true crime genre because it seems to be quite yes. a few of us. It is. When I used to have a long commute to work, I would say I would solve a murder to and from work every day. Exactly I felt so productive. Right. <laughs> well, Liz, I can't thank you enough for um, joining me this afternoon. I know you're really busy, so I t- appreciate you taking the time out to um, listen to listen in with me and talk about school counseling. And I'm excited about all that VSCA has going on and what we're doing to change the um, the face of a school counselor in the state of Virginia. So thank you for joining me here on the third floor today. Thank you for having me, Carla. All right. We'll talk again soon. Bye. All right. Bye.